What's up, everyone, and welcome into episode 103, where it is my honor and privilege to welcome co-host Sleepers Media and expert of all Michigan basketball, Greg Waddell. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, thank you for joining. And yes, there is definitely a lot to talk about, especially with what's going on with Michigan basketball this last week after a season that for probably a lot of Michigan fans was pretty disappointing. Yeah, I uh, I think that's a fair word to use. Nobody wants to see their team in the NIT, especially when they have two NBA players and a really, really good college player and Hunter Dickinson on the roster. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with the way the offseason is going right now for Michigan because I think it's a different approach than anything we've seen from Jawan Howard in his time at Michigan. Obviously, the transfer portal has really changed the game. But I look at last season's offseason, which I think, honestly, looking back, was to blame for a lot of Michigan's issues in the portal. Last summer, they really waited for Moussa Diabate and Caleb Houston's NBA decisions before making any moves. This year, you know, they've been all over some of the most talented guys in the portal. However you feel about Caleb Love, you have to admit he's one of the more talented guys available. Same with Namari Burnett. He was a former five-star recruit. And they're not done, even though they've added those two and Trey Jackson from Seton Hall. There's a lot more offers out there. So as a fan, I'm pleased. I think he sort of learned from his mistakes that, um, you know, as good as Kobe Bufkin and Hunter Dickinson were, the third, fourth, fifth guys on that roster, especially when Jed Howard was out, were not guys that were ready to play at the Big Ten level. I think there's going to be a lot more depth on the team next year if the early indications are um, any sign of what's to come for Michigan. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think this offseason is a little different than last offseason because this offseason, I think a lot of people kind of knew that Jet Howard was leaving. I think a lot of people knew that Kobe Bufkin was probably leaving, especially with how he finished the season. Last year, you had Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate that while they have a ton of potential, at times they didn't play extremely well so like you said Juwan Howard waited a little bit and by the time they made that decision they end up getting two transfers in Joey Baker and Llewellyn that are not maybe at the same level as these transfers are like they're very solid players like Joey Baker made a really great contribution this year when he was able to hit his threes Llewellyn was hurt he got hurt pretty early on so can't really say too much about him. I definitely think he will probably contribute decently this year, but I think this offseason is quite different for Juwan Howard, and I give him all the props in the world because he knew that this team needed more depth, that they needed improvement at specific positions, especially at the four position, and he's gone out and got a few guys already, and going after a few more as well that on their teams are extremely talented like Olivier Nkumwa and Matthew Cleveland. Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, I I think there's a willingness to get guys who can do different things. And um, that, that hasn't been the approach in the past. And part of that's been because Michigan thought they had a lot of starter caliber players in the past, but You know, Llewellyn was brought in to be the starting point guard and facilitate and just sort of be the engine of the offense. Joey Baker was brought in to be a bench guy and play 10 to 15 minutes a game. That was about it. This year, they it seems like they're recruiting a lot of guys to do a lot of different things. And even I would point to the power forward spot. 
Trey Jackson from Seton Hall, it, you know, he's not the best player in the world, but he's better than any of the fours that Michigan had available last season. And I was a little disappointed when they first signed him because I don't think he's a good big Big Ten starter on a good team. But he's still a guy you take just to upgrade the position and be safe. But the fact that they're still recruiting a guy like Olivier Conwell from Tennessee is awesome because uh, clearly they show a willingness to fix a lot of these areas that are, you know, not, not just a spot where you need one guy, but you need two guys. And a lot of coaches would not do that. Um, I still think there's, there's issues with the transfer portal. It's not the end all be all. There will be problems with this team, no matter how good the transfers are that Michigan gets just because continuity won't be there. Um, but man, I would point to last year and it sounds crazy to say about a team that had Kobe and Jet and Hunter on it. I really do think talent and depth of talent was the biggest issue with that team. Like Terrence Williams was the fourth best player on that team for large stretches of the season. And I think the way this roster is being built right now, there's a good chance you don't even see Terrence Williams in the rotation next year. Oh, I, I absolutely agree with you. And this is where we can kind of talk a little bit about this roster going into this year, really kind of the only two players you had coming back that really provided meaningful offense or a lot of offensive production was Terrace Reed and Doug McDaniels. And that makes for a really young team because they're going to be both sophomores this year. But it seems like they're now going after more veteran players because Trey Jackson Caleb Love, Namari Burnett, they're all junior, seniors, grad transfers. Michigan has gone from maybe being from one of the younger teams to probably one of the older teams in college basketball. And we've seen teams that are older that have more potential that come together a lot easier because they're older, not a younger team. Yeah, from seeing it up close and personal in Houston, age is like the biggest thing in the sport right now. Um, you know, they were like 23 years old on average. And I have a love-hate relationship with that because I still don't think San Diego State's one of the best teams in college basketball last season, but it worked because they just had a bunch of old dudes. And I think Juwan Howard is finding a, a middle ground there a little bit. You know, you need to have a mix of talent. You can't just recruit five-star recruits anymore. You're not going to win like that when the extra COVID year exists. And I like Doug McDaniel. I like Terrace Reed quite a bit. I think they have very bright futures at Michigan. I don't think he's recruiting over them by bringing in a lot of these talented guys to play around them. And ultimately, it'll be fascinating to see if that is maybe a better mix than a lot of his really young teams have been over the last two seasons. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. So this is kind of where I want to get to talking about the last week for Michigan basketball because Michigan picked up three commits from transfers, Namari Burnett, Trey Jackson, and Caleb Love. I kind of want to just go and talk about a little of each of them, kind of get your opinions on them as well. So the first commit was Namari Burnett. He's basically a guard from Alabama, super athletic. Ben hurt a lot of his playing career. He did start a few games at Alabama. He averaged about six points per game. Michigan was very much in his recruitment out of high school. Very solid athlete, just hasn't had enough playing time or ability to stay in the game when he had the chance. Yeah, I love Namari Burnett. He's actually my favorite ad of the guys they've gotten signed so far. 
Jawan was really big on him out of high school. He almost committed to Michigan at the time. And he ended up going to Texas Tech at first under Chris Beard. Just didn't find his way into the playing rotation. Had a season-ending injury after that when he transferred from Texas Tech to Alabama. And, I, you know, I didn't really know what to expect from him after that. When you miss an entire season and you're getting up there in age a little bit, sometimes at a program like Alabama, people can pass you by. And they were the best team in the country this year. I think their backcourt was their strongest position on the roster. And he still was a staple in it every single game, if not a starter. He did start a handful of games, but he always found his way on the floor. I think he's kind of in the mold, not uh, of the way he plays at all, but a mold Michigan had success in the past with Charles Matthews, where you get a guy who is a high pedigree recruit talent wise, who just hasn't had the opportunity or the role to find his comfort zone. I think that's the best landscape Michigan can play within in the transfer portal. So I'm pretty high on Burnett. We'll have to see. Um, Obviously when you bring in Caleb Love with him, Nobody knows what his role will be. He could be a sixth man. He could be Michigan starting small forward this year. But I think the skill set is there. And I think in a, a role where he can comfortably know he's going to play 20 minutes a night, I think he can excel. Yeah, I definitely think he can very much excel. And when you were talking about Sean J. Brown, he kind of brought back, I wouldn't say a little bit of nightmares, but like he was a handle to deal with whenever you played. He was great defensively he could when he was on and hitting his outside shots there wasn't very much you could do and I definitely could see Burnett kind of being a player like he is where once he gets an opportunity he has enough skill that he could end up being one of your better players and kind of your glue guy in that starting lineup if he gets there yeah I think he's going to work his way into that role for sure I think uh shooting will be the big question mark are they going to use him as a floor spacer like a catch and shoot guy or is he more of an on ball guy when you have Caleb Love and you have Doug McDaniel I don't really think you need a third on ball guy as much as you need a floor spacer but uh, I trust Burnett's shooting ability and I trust his on ball ability to be honest that he'll be able to make the most of whatever they need out of him Exactly. So let's go on to a second transfer. You got a commit from Trey Jackson. He's a 6'10", I would say probably more of a power forward from Cian Hall. He wasn't a starter, but when he was in the game, he was pretty efficient for most times. He did have quite a few games where he would go off for like 14, 15, 16 points. He's a 38% three-point shooter. I don't necessarily see him being the starter at Michigan, especially for the forwards they're going after, but he's going to be another one of those pieces on the bench that you can go to and trust. Yeah, I think he's best utilized as a, a wing and a perimeter-oriented wing. He played center for Seton Hall last year. He's just not a center at all. He, it's why he struggled to stay in the rotation for them. And there was a coaching change, too. You know, He played for Kevin Willard his first couple seasons and Shaheen Holloway last year so. Um, I I do think he's a guy that has not really been utilized as high as he might be capable of. I don't have the highest expectations that he's ever going to be a a 20 minute a game guy for Michigan, but I do trust that he can shoot the ball better than any of the power forwards Michigan had last year. And I think he can carve out a role as long as he can make shots. Exactly. And that's one of those positions that Michigan extremely struggled in last year with Terrence Williams and Will Cheddar, and uh, if he can hit shots, he'll definitely get some playing time at Michigan this year. 100%. Yeah, uh, he's one to keep an eye on for sure. 
So now let's talk about your guys' biggest transfer and someone that has a ton of personality, Caleb Caleb Love. What's your thoughts on Caleb Love? Oh, man, uh, that loaded question to start with. <laughs> um, I, I Look, I think he's talented, right? I, I don't know how you would argue that he's not. He has the pedigree and the ability at any moment to take over a game as much as any guard in the country can. With that said, those moments are incredibly rare. They don't happen often, and I don't expect those to happen consistently at all at Michigan. I just don't. I'm not a huge Caleb Love fan. I've been a skeptic of him his entire career at North Carolina. A lot of people like to point to his tournament run and say, you know, that this is what he could be if he just played well all the time. It's not really true. He didn't play well in the tournament run. Like, he shot 33% from the floor in postseason play the year they went to the national championship game. So, I, I, to me, Carolina found ways to win in spite of him. And, yes, he had some really big moments and big shots that make the highlight reel. But, you know, Michigan's going to need more than a big one buzzer beater every game. They're going to need him to shoot 15 to 20 times a game and be efficient. And I don't think that's something Caleb Love can do. There's locker room concerns with him as well. I don't like to play the, you know, what's his character like when I've never met the kid. But, you know, there were very loud rumors that he was the biggest problem in the North Carolina locker room. And coming from a fan's perspective where I had to watch Hunter Dickinson for three years and realized that that was a very real element of his problems, I'm not the most excited about Caleb Love entering and, and being the face of this team. But I get why Juwan did it. I think it's a risk you had to take when you're the head coach at Michigan. You got to realize you're not going to get the Max A. Smith or the L.J. Cryer in the portal. You're just not. You're not going to go head to head with the best programs in the Big 12 or the SEC and win those recruitments. So you got to take risks. You got to play your cards right. And, you know, Caleb Love's next best option, it, it seems it was Missouri. Um, you know, not surprising he chose Michigan over Missouri. And I think it's a gamble that ultimately could prove to be the defining moment of Juwan Howard's career, depending on if it goes well or if it goes off the rails. I, I completely agree with your statement right there. I think this is going to be either one of those things that you want to look back and this is an absolutely home run hit for for Juwan Howard, or this is going to be the moment that every everything just collapses because Caleb Love, talent-wise – like you said, he's going to be one of the most talented players on the court every single night. But if he's not hitting his shots, if he's not playing defense, if he's not making good mistakes, he's not going to, he's going to literally shoot you out of a game. He's going to make plays that will lose you games. Now, he also has the ability to make plays to win you games, but he also has a complete opposite side where he can very much lose you a game too. Yeah, it just sort of is who he is. And like I said, I think Juwan Howard probably had to do this because, you know, if you don't take Caleb Love, like what's the downside? You're, you're not getting Hunter Dickinson back in that scenario. And your best player is Doug McDaniel. Like that, that's not a NCAA tournament lock by any means. That's not a team that's going to compete in the Big Ten. So, you know, uh, unless there were better, more realistic options out there in the transfer portal at the shooting guard position – I think it was a worthy gamble. Like I said, it's not one that I'm willing to put my name out and say, hey, I think this is going to work, but uh, it has my attention. And at the very least, you're, you're never going to be able to count Michigan out of a game if Caleb Love is suiting up. I mean, there's always the threat that he's going to go nuclear. 
and uh, ultimately be the driving force behind a Michigan win. Exactly. And I'm not someone that's really like that makes predictions or comparisons. And this is an exact comparison because no two players are alike. They all have kind of different things. But do you think Caleb Love's going to kind of take on the role that Jet Howard did this year? I'm not saying they're the same player, but I'm just saying like someone that that's probably going to get... 10, 15 shots a game and someone that you might wonder like, why are you taking that shot? But other times, he makes great contested shots that you're just amazed by. I don't know that I would go there. I don't see much of a comp, honestly, with either how they'll be used or the skill sets. I think Jet gets a bad rap, honestly, and I'm okay with him getting a bad rap. He deserves a bad rap defensively and as a rebounder. Put effort in and whatever, but Offensively, I thought Jeff Jet was mis- misused for a lot of the season. I mean, he uh, it took the staff two and a half months to figure out that the ball should have been in Kobe Bufkin's hand games and not Jets. And look, that's going to have a long NBA career. He's a talented kid, but he's not an ISO get out of my way guy. He's a guy you need to get open. if you get him open. He'll shot. Caleb Love doesn't need anybody to get him open. Caleb Love will get. Open. I definitely agree with that. So the kind of like the last two transfers I really want to talk about are two transfers that haven't committed yet, but that Michigan is going after. And those are Ferris, or not Ferris, Florida State guard Matthew Cleveland and Tennessee Ford Olivier Nankumwa. Both players that are extremely athletic, one's more efficient than the other. Nankumwa was probably the best player on the court against Duke when Tennessee beat Duke. Matthew Cleveland was really close to committing to Michigan. What's your kind of thoughts on both of those players? Because if you're a Michigan fan, you'll be happy with either one or you'll be thrilled with both if you get them. Yeah, I'd love to see both, to be honest with you. And I think they're going to make a a hard push for both and have a really good chance with both. Um, I I think they're a little bit different stylistically and a little bit different in what they're capable of and how they'd be used at Michigan. Cleveland is a guy, totally different skill set than Jet. But if there is a comp to your question about Jet Howard, I think Cleveland would step into his role, just a high usage wing, play the three. Uh, He's a much better defender. He's a much better scorer from two point range than Jet was. And he's not nearly the shooter. He's not really a shooter at all, to be honest with you. Um, But he's an athlete that Michigan hasn't had in that spot in quite a while. And I think Michigan's defense would be pretty damn good if Matthew Cleveland was a member of that team next year. Uh, Kamwa, talk about defense again. I mean, this guy was maybe the most pivotal piece of the number one defense in the country last season. He's a guy who doesn't need the ball in his hands to score. He's a good passer. He's a good play finisher. He actually did step out and shoot it pretty well this season, even though he's not like a knockdown shooter. But he had three threes in the NCAA tournament win against Duke. He's just a consummate winning player. Reminds me a lot in that sense of like an Isaiah Livers who didn't get a lot of credit, even though maybe he should have. Not a box score stuffer, but a guy that just played winning basketball on both ends. Um, Kamwa, to me, would be a great fit, whether it's Hunter Dickinson or whether it's Terrace Reed at center. He's a guy that I think you feel great about and you pencil in for 30 minutes. Cleveland is a little more, we got to figure out where he goes here. Like you, you might not have enough shooting if you played Cleveland and Kamwa together, especially not if they were next to Terrace Reed. 
But uh, I, look, they're both takes. Like I said, the way Michigan's recruiting the portal right now, it's just get as much guys, as much talent that can do different things. And these two guys are certainly talented. They can certainly do many versatile things on the basketball court. And uh, back to my T. Will point earlier in the podcast, if Terrence Williams was the fourth best player on Michigan last year, you add Cleveland and Kamwa to the group they have coming in next year, all of a sudden Terrence Williams is like the 11th best player on Michigan. And now you've got a, a 10 deep rotation you feel really, really good about. Exactly. And so this is kind of where I'm coming from. And because under John Beeline, Michigan was an extremely great defense that they had a ton of depth. Do you think Michigan's kind of getting back to what John Beeline kind of started and ended with? Because it really kind of seemed like the program for Michigan was kind of going a little away from that great defense because I think a lot of people probably agree that Michigan defensively in basketball wasn't very good last year. Michigan State wasn't very good either. But under John Beeline, I just remember them having a really great defense, and it seems like Michigan's kind of getting back to that really great defense, athletic players that will just go one-on-one with you all night long. Yeah, I think players make a defense is the best way I would put it. For for years, uh, when I was growing up, like John Beeline was not a defensive coach at all. His his best teams were offensive-minded, and his his really elite teams were just the best offense in the country and defense be damned. And it really took him a few years because when he started losing some of his NBA guys, his teams just weren't good enough if they didn't have the elite uh, shooting and the elite offense. So he, he hired a coach named Luke Yachlich that really fixed their defense. And that's why down the stretch of his career, the last two, three years there, they were top 10 in the country, if not top five in the country, a couple of years running. But, you know, Yachlich can get some credit for it. Beeline can get some credit for being self-aware enough that he needed to get a coach that could help with it. But the guys who really deserve the credit were the players on the team. Xavier Simpson, Charles Matthews, Isaiah Livers, John Teske. Those guys were just elite individual defenders. And Michigan hasn't had that guy. I mean, Hunter Dickinson was a part of a really good defense when he was a freshman when Franz Wagner was there. And ever since, I mean, he's been mixing in NBA guys in, Jet Howard, Caleb Houston, great shooters, not defensive stoppers. It's been a revolving door at the point guard position. They haven't had those guys that you trust on the defensive end. I think that next year's roster, while there would be a lot of new faces, would certainly have guys you feel like are plus defenders at the individual level, particularly Kamwa and Cleveland. I mean, those guys are almost elite college basketball defenders on an individual level. So if you can mix one to two of those in with a Doug McDaniel, with a Terrace Reed, who, um, you know, had had brilliant moments in his freshman year on the defensive side of the ball, then I think you really have a core you can work with and an identity of a basketball team that can start to come together defensive first. And that identity, I think, is what's getting a lot of Michigan fans really excited about the basketball team next year, at least more hopeful for the team next year, because before this past week, I don't know how much confidence Michigan fans had in basketball from talking with some friends I have. Yeah, it's it's honestly funny because it just the last week I've I've swung so hard from being like inconsolably depressed with Michigan basketball to more excited to watch this team probably than I was down the stretch with Hunter Dickinson last year. So crazy couple of weeks, but I think that's how it's going to work in the transfer portal. And uh, you know, I give Juwan Howard credit for 
getting this team in a spot where I care enough to be excited again. And absolutely credit to Juwan Howard for doing that. So I know that you have to get going in the last few minutes. I do want to quickly talk about Michigan State. Tyson Walker and Malik Hall both come back. Do you want to talk a little bit about Jane Aikens? What's your thoughts? Do you think he comes back to Michigan State? Do you think he goes into the NBA? And what's your thoughts on Michigan State next year as a whole? On the whole, I think Michigan State's going to be awesome. If I had to gun to my head right now, I would say they're probably my preseason title favorite right now. Um, Jane Aikens is a huge part of that, though. And I think his, his question, his decision, whatever you want to call it, is a lot more up in the air than people want to admit. Um, it, it's not his fault. It's not Tom Izzo's fault. It's not Jay Nakin's fault. I mean, he's been great in his role. But just the truth is, if you're a 6'4", 180-pound guard, no matter how good you are playing the three in a catch-and-shoot role, you're not going to get on the NBA radar. And that's indicative of where Jay Nakin's is at right now. He's a kid with NBA talent that is not – draftable by any means he can say he's going through the combine he could test he's just not going to sniff the nba draft this year and it like it or not like we said with the era of the transfer portal guys that have that talent or view themselves in that way don't want to wait four years for that opportunity and i have it on good record that he wasn't super happy with how he was being used in the middle of the season I think at the end of the year, he thought either Tyson Walker or A.J. Hogard would leave. And if one of those two things happened, I think he would certainly be back in the Michigan State uniform next year. So, um, you know, if you're Michigan State, if you're Tom Izzo, you got to bring Walker back because he's that good. He's going to be a, an All-Big Ten player, potentially an All-American. And you got to bring A.J. Hogard back after how he played in the NCAA tournament down the stretch of the season. I mean, the team was right there with a chance to potentially make a run to a Final Four. And A.J. Hogard was brilliant. So you have to bring those two guys back. It leaves Aikens in a really tough spot because he's never going to be on the ball if Hogard and Walker are there. And I wouldn't blame Aikens at all if he's unhappy with that and looks elsewhere. I think Arkansas would certainly look at him. You see all the <laughs> I think there's like 100 teams that would line up for Jaden Aikens. If oh, absolutely. So yeah. it'll be one to watch for sure. I don't know what he'll do. But uh, I think at the very least, it's not going to be an announcement where just like, hey, I'm back. It's going to be either like I'm going through the process or I'm in the portal and may return. But it'll be interesting to watch. In my opinion, if he goes in the portal, I don't think he's returning. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. Izzo's not the type of guy to like flirt or bang somebody back if you consider leaving him. But um, I don't know. It's it, That's the interesting thing, too, is like Izzo is acting like – any more departures but you know almost everybody on the team like Carson Cooper Trey Holloman all of them have posted like Spartan dog for life we're back and Jay Nakins has been silent the last week or so so I think there's more under the surface than might appear I completely agree with you and yeah I really appreciate you joining Greg, it's been awesome having you on. I think next year's basketball in the state of Michigan is going to be really fun, especially if Michigan can pick up a couple of those transfers in Matthew Cleveland or Olivier Nankumwa, and I think Michigan State will be really fun to watch. So I appreciate you joining. For anyone that hasn't tuned in, definitely tune in to Sleepers Media's podcast. It's a great podcast. I really enjoy it, and thank you again for joining the podcast and taking your time out of your day. 100%, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate all the kind words and 
Uh, keep it up, man. We can't have enough Michigan, Michigan State folks out here trying to talk college basketball, man. It's the best thing in the world. Absolutely. Completely agree. So have a, have a good night. And that is a wrap to episode 103. Thank you again, Greg, for joining. And tune in until next time.